Welcome to the Contractor Success Map Podcast. I'm your host, Bradley Hart, and I'm an expert on how you can get the most out of your contracting company. The reason I designed this show is to help you turn your contracting company from a people-dependent money pit into a process-dependent cash cow to have the freedom you dreamed of when you start your business. Every Friday, we're releasing podcasts and information to help you get the most out of your contracting company. Be sure to join us at www.contractorsuccessmap.com and subscribe to receive our latest articles and special offers. And the best part, it's all free, just for you. This podcast is episode number 156, and it will be about what is your construction company worth? If you're in business as a construction contractor or a specialty contractor, trade contractor, for a while now, and you're wondering, what is your construction company really worth? Well, this question comes up early and often, and perhaps you would like a bit of inside information that we share with our outsourced strategic contractor accounting services clients. The first thing I always say is nothing is ever as good or as bad as it first appears. That applies everything in life. So let's just go down a path. If you're like most contractors, myself included, you learn to trade a skill or a craft. And after a while, you decided to go on business for yourself and make the quote-unquote, the big bucks. And that was one of the happiest days of your life. I've heard it said that boat owners experience two of the happiest days in their lives. The first one is the day they bought their boat, and the next one is the day they sold it. Well, I'm going to give you a little hint. There are two answers to the question, what is my construction contracting company worth? And the first answer is pretty simple. That's the accounting value. And that's what I've been focusing on for a very long time. But let's discuss the accounting value briefly. The accounting value is the equity. And equity is simply you take all the assets or what you own, and that can be the cash in the bank and savings accounts and all kinds of other places, money market accounts. So cash plus tools plus material plus loans the company made, um, anything, uh, maybe you've got some real estate, who knows, some trucks, cars, vans. So you take all those assets minus the liabilities. And the liabilities is what you owe. And those are the payables, the credit card balances, um, any other liabilities, um, short-term, long-term payables. So equity is simply the assets minus the liabilities and the equities what's left over so there's the accounting equation has three O's and I think I just described them to you the first O is assets what you own the second O is liabilities what you owe the third O is equity what is left over after you subtract liabilities from assets now these numbers are found in your construction company balance sheet and if you want to take a quick peek at um, www.fasteasyaccounting.com forward slash equity, then you would see we have the documentation there. And I have a little, little drawing, if you please, or um, some neat little pictures for you. And I've got what's called a balance sheet. Now, on the secret balance sheet, it shows that same thing. All the assets, all liabilities, 
and the equity. And this balance sheet came from what's called Quality Built Construction, which is a sample company that comes in the QuickBooks 2016 uh, file. So anybody can dig it up, it's pretty simple. And the total equity in this case is $305,616.56. Now for some of you contractors listening to the podcast, you're going to turn your nose up and say, it's ridiculous, my company's worth 10 times that. Other contractors might listen to this podcast and say, I wish it was worth that. So it's all relative. But this means, as far as the camera is concerned, number one, if the owner collected all the money owed to them, accounts receivable, and got any security deposits back and any other funds, and they sold all the vehicles, computers, office equipment, machinery, and equipment, that's the fixed assets, for the exact amount shown on a balance sheet, and those fixed assets generally have what's called what you paid for them, and then depreciation, so it creates what's called book value. So if you collect all the money owed to you, accounts receivable, and you sold all the assets, the amount shown on the balance sheet, and you paid all the bills, that's the accounts payable, the credit cards, that are current liabilities, long-term liabilities, then the accounting system, the financial records, tell you there would be $305,616.56 in cash for the owner. Now, this is kind of neat because um, accounting is very exact, but by the same token, it's not totally accurate. Because we live in the real world. The world I like to call the world of what is, not what should be. That's a randalism. Because the true net worth of your construction contracting company is what someone else will pay for it. There are hundreds of factors that affect how much a construction company is worth. And, and I've listed nine of them. There are hundreds, and I tell you what, when you're a client and you work with me, <laughs> we get pretty in-depth in this sort of thing. But I'm just going to cover nine basic, simple things that affect what your company is worth in the real world. Number one is a length of time in business. In length of time in business, in general, we say the longer you're in business, has been around, the better. Now, just know that everything changes rapidly. So in many cases, what occurred more than three years ago may not be as relevant as it is today. Generally speaking, if your business, your company's been in business more than 10 years, it's considered to have passed a lot of the hurdles. Because in construction, like every other business, the first year is really tough. And we have what's called a business cycle, which lasts roughly every seven years, kind of like the ocean waves. You know, so if you're in a down cycle and a recession, just figure you're going to be roughly seven years. It's going to go up and back down. That's not in stone because this podcast is being made in March of 2016. And uh, I'll say the last seven years have been very rough here in the U.S., there could be a variety of reasons for that. I won't go into it. Um, we'll leave it at that. Nevertheless, good contractors know how to work within the economy and make things happen. So, length of time in business is number one. Number two is standard financial statements. Oh, this is so huge. This is absolutely huge. 
Okay, I'm that guy that has more degrees than a thermometer. And back in the Paleozoic age, when the dinosaurs roamed the Earth, and I got my first degree, it was in accounting uh, in the early 70s, 1970s, not 1870s, for those of you who know me, 1970s, thank you. You see, there's a number of ways to set up what's called the chart of accounts in your bookkeeping system. And we're taught in school the standard financial statements and the standard system for setting up chart of accounts. And it's pretty simple. There are assets, which is 1,000 accounts. There are liabilities, the 2,000 accounts. It's just a numbering system, 1,001, 1,002, then 2,001, 2,002. Then the equity accounts are typically the 3,000s. Then the 4,000s are the income accounts. In construction, it's really important. The 5,000s, that's the cost of goods sold. 6,000s are the expenses or overhead. 7,000s are the other income, not germane to your company. So if you're a contractor and you sell scrap metal or scrap copper or scrap whatever, you're going to get an income there, but it's not germane to your business. So it really belongs in that 7,000. Other income, so it's recorded, but it's not part of the um, the financials used to do to, uh, to discover operating leverage and financial leverage. Then the eight thousands are the other expenses. Again, not germane to your company. Let's say you're a construction contractor and you have a credit card, and for whatever reason you don't pay it off every month, and you get you have to pay some interest. Well, that interest really has no bearing on how you're running your company, yet it needs to be reported. So we report credit card interest and loans, interest on loans, uh, lines of credit, that sort of thing, vehicle loans. That interest is reported in the 8,000s. Um, so it's still in the financial statements, but it's very important to understand where it is is extremely critical. Okay. I could discuss that for hours. I love financial statements. But let's go forward if we can, please. Um, moving right along. So what's the next thing I want to talk about? Pretty simple. I want to discuss the three types of financial statements. It's called the internal financial statements, the tax repair financial statements, and again, a little more in depth than the standard financial statements. So the internal financial statements are what most bookkeepers will set up in QuickBooks or whatever accounting system you're using. And that means they add a lot of fluff and try to capture the working process, the web, the job costing, and everything else they can, including kitchen sink, inside the chart of accounts. Now, that's fine for your internal use, but it's next to worthless for anyone outside your company. Okay. I won't go into a lot of detail there, but uh, people can do what they please, whatever makes sense to them. So internally, if you never want to go for a loan, you're not looking to sell the company, set it up whatever way you want to. Life is good. The second group of financial statements are the tax repair financial statements. And these are the ones that cause me to be awake at night. I get nightmares. Um, man, it's amazing. Because tax preparer financial statements are what most CPAs and tax preparers set up for contractors. And what that means is they keep the chart of accounts as small as possible and mirror the chart of accounts to the annual tax return as close as possible. 
Now this helps to get the tax return done the least amount of time and effort possible. Bless your heart, it is next to worthless for you, the contractor, or anyone else. But it is great for the tax reviewer. And I've seen a lot of, I can take a look at it at the QuickBooks and know at a glance who set it up, the bookkeeper or the tax repair. Bless their hearts, they both have, uh, they have, they have good hearts, they're good people, but they have two different perspectives. Okay, and I understand the tax repair. Um, I'm a recovering tax repair. I quit repairing tax returns um, a long, long time ago. We focus strictly on construction accounting now. So, the number three is what's called the standard financial statements. And this is what most of your bankers, investors, and purchasers of your business, buyers, like to see. Because the chart accounts is set up in a way that makes it possible for them to understand the financial health and well-being of your construction company. Let me digress briefly. Um, in most countries, I'm here in the United States, in the U.S., go figure, all of our roads, bridges, and highways are designed that we drive on the right side of the road. Now, at various intersections, we have yield signs, stop signs, um, traffic lights. So there's a whole set of rules that we all try to obey. And guess what? It makes the traffic flow very nicely. That's, so the standard financial statements is sort of like, I want to say, the standard traffic flow. There's a way things work, and they work really well. So, most banks and investors subscribe to a service like the Risk Management Association, the RMA. And I invite you to go online and look up rma.org. Because the RMA is a way that allows them to, to input the key data from your financial statements and returns and a very in-depth analysis of your construction company comes back. And what happens when they put this information in, they're able to compare your construction company with similar construction companies in your area and against others across the country. Okay, This means that a contractor gives their banker, investor, or potential buyer anything but standard financial statements. They are shooting themselves in the foot with a nail gun. Ow. Now, for what it's worth, our contractor bookkeeping system can provide you with a standard financial statements chart of accounts. And we do a lot of these. We have well over 100 clients. I won't have any, but it's well over 100. Okay, so we get QuickBooks files. It takes a short while to bring them into our system and we take the existing contra uh, contractor's credit files and we massage them and get all the data into our contractor bookkeeping system, our template. And voila, once it's in there, they have the chart account set up, which is standard. So they get the standard financial statements. And it works like a charm unless you or your bookkeeper make adjustments in the chart accounts. Now, guess what? Hey, it's your QuickBooks file. You can do whatever you want with it. So you and your bookkeeper can make any adjustments in short accounts or any place else you want. Just know that if you have a good system that works and you go in and fix it, it's not going to work so well anymore. 
And if you're a contractor, and bless your heart, and you've ever had a situation where the homeowner wanted to help, um, enough said. The key is that the smart contractors we work with, they go in and they adjust the item list until the cows come home. They may have thousands of items in the item list. Then those all point to the fixed chart of accounts. They can get reports, whip reports, all kinds of reports, job costing reports, everything they possibly want. Because guess what? The job costing reports, the whip reports, all that stuff comes nicely out of the item list and the chart of accounts. And I want to digress briefly and give you kind of a quick overview on why it's so important to have standard financial statements. Because, like, again, as I say, the bankers use that and they'll key the information in, and that's what helps them decide. Also, for buyers and anybody else. So, I want to give you a bit of history to help understand how RMA can affect you personally as a contractor. The Robert Morris Club, RMA, was formed to help businesses and bankers exchange credit information. You see, the RMA developed several tools. Among them was a system of ratios that most lenders, creditors, and all credit card companies use to separate the good companies from the bad companies in all industries. Or to put it another way, that's how they separate the sheep from the goats. Now, the RMA and other reports show where your contracting company stands in relation to other contracting companies serving similar geographic and demographic markets. So if you're a remodel contractor, they got a slot for that. If you're a plumbing contractor, electrical contractor, drywall contractor, any of the trade contractors, a home builder, they have slots for that. Each major category, sales, cost goods sold, overhead, expenses, other expenses, other income, are rated on a scale of the top 25%, the middle 50%, and the bottom 25%. So these are what's called quadriles. So ideally, all the numbers in your profit and loss and balance sheet fall somewhere in the middle 50%. Now, whenever a contractor, and I'm sure nobody listening to this podcast has ever done this, or you have, maybe you're going to rethink it in the future. Whenever a contractor, quote, forgets, unquote, to declare all their income or, to quote, unquote, overstate their expenses, it will show up here like a red flag. I mean, it's just insane. I see a lot of things taking place, and I kind of scratch my head, and I'm, sometimes I'm Sergeant Schultz on Hogan's Heroes. I know nothing, nothing, nothing. But let me tell you, if a contractor overstates income or understates costs, all right, it'll show up like a red flag, like a sore thumb on this report. Now, we do have a, an outline of the Z-score. Um, what's called a Z-score, and get that in just a minute. Because a Z-score is a compilation, and it's a formula for predicting bankruptcy. There's a fellow by the name of Edward Altman who published it in 1968. Now, this formula may be used for predict- predictability the probability, I'm sorry, is used to predict the probability that a firm will go into bankruptcy within two years. Now, it's not 100% accurate, but it is a useful tool, and similar to a tape measure, it's not 100% accurate, it's still useful. So, you apply for a loan, a line of credit, bond, credit card, or something similar, and the lender asks for a copy of your construction company and profit and loss. 
and balance sheet. And by the way, they'll ask either the last two or three years. And there's a reason behind that. What happened beyond three years ago is not relevant because things have changed so quickly. So the lender or bonding agent logs into the RMA account, fills out the electronic forms, answers questions about your construction company, and inputs specific numbers taken directly from your construction profit and loss and balance sheet. Now, any construction accountant with his or her salt knows exactly how to set up QuickBooks correctly so that your application can be presented in the most favorable light back to that chart of accounts. If a contractor gives the banker, lender, or bonding agent a set of financial reports that do not conform to your RFP requirements, they may or may not try to extrapolate the numbers they need. In most cases, the banker will give you the smile and the quote, thank you for applying, unquote, speech, before giving you the quote, we will let you know as soon as we know anything, speech. Guess what? They already know. They took a look at your financials. They know darn well that you aren't going to make it. So they just want to keep you happy and make you think they're going to do something. And they'll spend about three minutes trying to get the data in to um, the online database. If it doesn't work, they're done. They'll sit aside and call you later and say, oh, it's terrible. Um, we weren't able to do it. There's more things that come into play. So if you have a, a long relationship with your banker, a lot of times you can get a loan. But I guarantee if you sell your business, you will not get as much as you are entitled to. You see, the rotten shame is most of the time the lender knows the contractor and believes you are a good and decent person. You're a valuable client of the bank. And they know you'll pay the loan back on time with all the interest. The thing you need to understand, the problem is most decisions are made based on software and a loan officer cannot violate the lender's policy. This is why sometimes contractors with an excellent credit can't get a loan or land credit. Yet another contractor with only good credit gets financing at the lowest possible rates with low down payments and a long time pay it back. And I've had contractors really scratch their heads and use some bad words as they described the situation. And I know exactly what's going on. And take one look at their QuickBooks, I know. And a few times I've said, well, you know, we might want to, um, I don't know, Maybe make a few adjustments in the chart of accounts, and more often than not, there's nothing wrong with that chart of accounts. My bookkeeper set it up. They know what they're doing. They've been in bookkeeping for 20 years or 10 years. Then he asked the, the proverbial question, really? Um, have you asked your bookkeeper what's the last class, seminar, or book they read regarding construction accounting? And sometimes they go back and ask them, and they'll come back and tell me, so, well, they haven't done anything like that since they first started. And I said, well, you know what? They've been doing this for 20 years, but what they do have is six months' experience 40 times over. Instead of 10 years, they've got six months' experience 20 times over. But nevertheless, you know, it's you run your business how you see fit. There's a reason why some contractors make a lot of money and some contractors don't. And I'll give you the hint. This is a randalism. Please listen closely. Money is made in the office, not in the field. Ines said, word to the wise. Well, the good news is the universe is always in balance, and it's never too late to make things right. Now, we've worked with many contractors that come to realize the only way to get rich and keep the money is to play the money game to win. In all cases, 
we have found tax preparers and different folks are willing to work at Worthless. So, for those contractors who feel that tax collectors are corrupt, I suggest it is wise to, quote, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Okay? Which means pay your taxes and focus on making big money. Do not be concerned with the tax collectors because the universe is always in balance and if the tax collectors or the politicians or anybody else has something to answer for, it is better for you to stay out of that discussion when the time comes. If you get my meaning. Okay, let's move along. The third, number three, net income. That's is your construction company earning enough money to pay you a decent salary, which rule of thumb should be at least twice your highest paid employee, and at least a 10% net profit after all costs, including your salary and income taxes? Bread for the head. Food for thought. Number four, cash flow. Is there enough cash in the bank or money market accounts to keep your company running for at least 60 days? And is your cash balance growing every year by at least 5%? If you're coming up short on a couple of these things, don't panic. Understanding the problem is halfway there to fixing it. Okay. Number five, number of customers or clients. And I ask you, which do you have? Customers or clients? Big difference. Customers buy products and services at the lowest possible price and treat everything like a commodity. They're also known as grinders. Clients are under the care and protection of a professional. I, pr I really encourage you to get more clients and get rid of your customers. Because quality, quantity is not as important as quality. Having the right mix of quality customers or clients that provide a lot of top-line sales and revenue is critical. Because there is what's called the 80-20 rule. An 80-20 rule combined with business process management can improve your life in ways you never dreamed possible. Because the most important law of business is 8 out of 10, 80-20 rule, 8 out of 10 hours you work add very little cash and profit to your business because listen carefully the top 20% of your clients generate 80% of your profit let me repeat that the top 20% of clients and most construction companies we start working with we find that top 20% are generating 80% of their profit However, 80% of the client contact is with those bottom people who make up the last 20% of your profit. Okay? Put this in a different way. 8 out of 10 hours you work. Add very little cash and profit to your business. Minor changes in reporting can add cash and profit with less time and effort. QuickBooks properly set it up and maintained can give you the reports you need. You're a contractor. You know what to do. Let me ask you a simple question. If you have the choice between two jobs and if you know in advance job A is going to net you 10% profit. Job B 
is going to net you 20% profit. Which one are you going to focus on? Job B, of course. How do you know which one to focus on? Your accounting system will show you that. That's the key. Okay. We work with a lot of contractors across the USA, including Alaska and Hawaii. And the ones that we work with that really want to pay attention, they make a ton of money because we go through their, their QuickBooks and we identify these are your top customers and these are the ones that are costing you the most. And in most cases, they look at us or they you know, are talking on the phone because they're across the country and, and they'll, they'll get kind of stunned and they'll say, how can, how can you say that? Because uh, John Doe, he's a friend of mine. I, I like John Doe. We we shoot pool. We, we're a part of the bowling league. Um, we get together and, and play pinochle or, or whatever. You know, been friends for years. I said, yeah, I know. And John Doe is, is taking advantage of that because does John Doe ask you, can you get that part for me wholesale? And you say, well, yeah, I can because you're a buddy. But you know that other client over here, Mary Frank? I'm just making these names up. Mary Frank, yeah, I, I don't know Mary that well. You know, she's kind of a pain. I said, yeah, well, Mary Frank, her jobs, you're getting a net profit of over 30%. Does Mary Frank ever give you a hard time, ever call you? Uh, no, no, she doesn't. Does she ask for discounts? No, she doesn't. She's really busy. She's a doctor. She's a lawyer. She's something, and, and she's really busy. And, oh, oh. I see what you're saying. I say, yes, that's what I'm saying. Mary is a professional and she hires professionals and lets you do the job. You need more Marys and less Johns. Words of the wise. Number six, new customer or client acquisition strategy. Hey, every business is like a lake. You need fresh water and fresh customers and clients coming in because over time, existing clients and customers are going to leave for a variety of reasons. They may pass away, they may retire, they may sell their house, all kinds of things. So you always need a new customer client acquisition strategy. I recommend a simple document strategy outlining a profile, very important, a profile of your best customer demographics and psychographics. So you know exactly who they are, where they are, and how to attract them. Now that's a whole new ball game, but I mean, just get that strategy, start working on it, bring it in place. Number seven, as important if not more, the existing customer or client retention strategy. Do you have a simple documented strategy outlining the changing needs of your customers and clients based on the profile of your best customer and demographics and psychographics so you know what they're going to want before they do? and you continually innovate your services to those wants, wishes, and desires. And I'll give you a little hint um, for those of you that are trade contractors and remodelers in residential arena right off the bat. There is a huge and getting bigger every day market of Asian place. These are the people in their 60s and 70s and beyond and they've lived in a house for a very long time. And you know what? They would just as soon stay at home rather than going into a retirement home or a nursing home. So if you can figure out ways to address that before they need it, um, very powerful. Very, very powerful. Okay, Lots of opportunities for maintenance contracts. Number eight, 
documented operations manuals. Oh my gosh. This one is a tough one, but for the contractors I work with that have done it, by the time they've done it, they, they look at me and say, Randall, why didn't you tell me this earlier? And I'll say, Mr. X, I think I talked to you about this for over 10 years. <laughs> so you'll do it when you're ready. Um, what's the old saying? When the, te when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Okay. It's a lot of information there. You can figure it out for yourself. The teacher's always there. The student wasn't ready. Don't get trapped by the lazy way of training people by paying them to learn by experience. Or worse yet, sitting around the campfire, water cooler, break room, or job site. Now you're paying two people. You're paying the person who's going to train them, and you're paying the person who's going to learn. And I guarantee the person that's training them has no clue because everybody is doing any different things, doing the same things different ways. Because in the end, you have total chaos. Because everybody has a different way of doing everything. And no amount of yelling, screaming, threats, punishment on your part will be effective. In the end, you'll waste a lot of money that should have gone to bottom line profits. This can be avoided with documented operations manuals. Are they painful? Yes, they are. Do we have them here? Yes, we do. Have I had them for... You know, over 40 years in different businesses? Yes, I have. And frankly, I would rather walk on hot coals with bare feet than develop an operations manual. It's not fun. But wow, is it profitable. It is embarrassingly profitable. Number nine, unique selling proposition. Ask yourself, do some thinking on this. Really think about it. This is part of your vision what is the one thing that your company does best that makes you the most money that is your unique selling proposition? One of our plumbing companies in the 1990s was a maintenance contract, had maintenance contracts for fast food restaurants. We made a lot of money by cleaning drains and side sewers during the slow times, their slow times, instead of waiting until it was an emergency and fixing and repairing leaking faucets. And other things because we could schedule the work be done by our crews during our slow time and their slow time okay a lot of information there as well please well these nine steps are only a fraction of what we have to offer and I do want to close with a quick story I call it the river of construction commerce has two areas the bad area is where contractors without a clear business strategy operate their construction company and so the rapids, which are shallow, narrow, with boulders, trees, and wrecked construction companies, it's loud, rushing, churning, like a wild roller coaster, with its violent ways, which will exact a toll on even the strongest, most determined contractor. In time, it will wear them down to where they are dispirited, heartbroken, or simply heart-stopped and flat broke. That's the bad area. The good area of the river construction commerce is deep and wide with a sandy bottom and meanders quietly and calmly. It's like riding a peaceful merry-go-round and those construction company owners can become very wealthy. So I'm going to tell you this is Frank's story. 
and it's a true story but the name has been changed to protect the guilty it started one day when the idea of owning his own construction company popped into Frank's head it grabbed his attention and said let's do this now that particular Friday in December the boss had just told Frank that he needed to increase his production well the very idea his boss would suggest such a thing made Frank's blood pressure go up and Frank was angry about it all day now the following day Frank's close friend Bob changed his name again stopped by Frank's house to visit and Frank mentioned the boss's remarks Bob had been encouraging Frank to start his own construction company for years and before you know it Frank the hot dog remodeler Inc was born and again the name has been changed to protect the guilty well, with a box full of enthusiasm and a pocket full of can-do attitude, Frank launched his brand spanking new construction company into what looked like the good area of River of Commerce. Because for a while, everything went well. No boss breathing down his neck, and no pesky customers to satisfy, no employees with unreasonable demands, no taxes due. Nobody gives Frank any guff. He was a free man, and life was good. Bang! Then it happened. Frank's phone rang, and it was Bob calling to suggest that perhaps Frank could come to his house and build a deck on the back side of his two-story house. Oh, and so it began. Frank had his first customer. Not a client, a customer. The one who helped launch him on his journey down the river. Bob said, I quote, Hey, Frank. Since you don't have any overhead, you could do the job at a really, really low price. And in return, I will give you lots of parties. I will give lots of parties to show off my new deck to all my friends and neighbors. And that will send lots of business to you. Well, Frank spent time and money and effort drawing blueprints for the new deck. Bob suggested another cost-saving idea that he, Bob, would pay for the material, taking advantage of Frank's discount at the local lumberyard. Wow. Thanks, Bob. Frank got the building permit, and the work started. Two weeks later, it was finished, and it looked great. Frank was a little embarrassed to ask for money for his labor, so he asked Bob to suggest a dollar amount. Bob said since Frank was working for $20 an hour at his previous job, that'd be a fair price. Especially since Frank would get the entire $20 an hour with no taxes taken out. What a deal! A short while later, Frank started getting a lot of work at $20 an hour because he was a nice guy. And he didn't market the material like his old boss, the greedy, no-good remodeling contractor. Frank was generous because he provided little bits of, you know, hardware like a few nails, some screws, caulk, glue, tape, shims, wire nuts, bolts, nuts, washers, at no charge. Frank's everybody's buddy. Frank didn't know it, but he was just entering the Whitewater Rapids in a bad area of the river of construction commerce. You see, Frank needed to bring in other trade contractors like plumbers, electricians, to do the things he was not skilled or licensed to do. Customers told Frank it was unfair for him to expect to be paid his $20 an hour for the time 
He spent calling trade contractors, scheduling job site visits to review the scope of work, gathering bids, reviewing them with the customer, scheduling the trade contractors, and overseeing their work. The customer told Frank he wasn't doing any real work. Well, that was like a mini vacation from swinging a hammer, they said with a grin and a smile. Then Frank figured it out. His truck was part of the $20 an hour he was charging, and that it cost money to buy fuel, oil changes, tires, tune-ups, and other maintenance that it needed to re because it was being worn out. Frank also realized his $20 an hour was paying for his cell phone, hand tools, equipment, maintenance repairs, small supplies, like those few nails, screws, caulk, glue, tape, shims, wire nuts, bolts, washers, and his time to schedule and work with the trade contractors. All those things that seemed unfair when his old boss charged his customers for them began to make sense in Frank's mind. And he began to understand why he needed a business strategy. The river was getting rough, loud, and mean. And the white caps were tossing his little construction coming around like a rag doll caught in the mouth of an angry dog that had not been fed in three days. In order to make money and keep his construction coming afloat, he decided to hire some skilled labor. And that's when he was just rounding the corner to the bad part of the rapids on a river of construction commerce. Frank found out real fast that, con that skilled construction workers don't work for anything less than $20 an hour, plus benefits, vacation, retirement, health insurance, bonuses, and everything else he used to ask his boss for back in the bad old days of being an employee. Hey, things had to change fast. So Frank raised his rates and lost all of his price-conscious customers. Now Frank was in trouble and going over one of the many waterfalls in the bad part of the River of Construction Commerce. Fortunately, Frank had a friend who was a trade contractor and referred him to us. And we were able to help him develop a personalized business strategy. We literally tossed him a financial lifeline by offering Frank at no charge a one-hour consultation, which lasted a little more than an hour, uh, quite a bit more than an hour. He grabbed it, held on for dear life. Okay, Frank became a client, and in no time he changed how he saw the world and understood there is a hall of justice, but there is no hall of fairness. And that it's up to every contractor to put as much thought and planning into the business strategy as they do in developing a set of drawings for a construction project. If they want to have something more than owning a job that nobody wants to buy when they retire. Now, we are Frank's construction company coach, and we help him understand he had to choose between being right or rich. Frank chose rich. And as a result of his construction company, Frank the hot dog remodeler made him a very wealthy man. And again, I straight, I want to make it clear, Frank is not his real name, and Frank the hot dog remodeler was not the name of the company. Well, it's been quite a bit of information a little longer than usual, and I hope this podcast helps you understand that outsourcing your contractors' bookkeeping services to us is more than just doing the bookkeeping. It is about taking a holistic approach to your entire construction company 
and helping support you as a contractor and as a person. We understand the good, the bad, and the ugly about owning and operating construction companies because we've had several of them and we sincerely care about you and your construction company. That's all I have for now. And if you do me honor, please read the podcast on whatever medium you're listening to it on. It is our sincere belief that we we believe you, as a contractor, deserve to be wealthy because you bring value to other people's lives and don't let anybody tell you any different. This is one more example of how Fast Easy Accounting is helping construction company owners all across the USA, including Alaska and Hawaii, put money in the bank to operate and grow your construction company. You see, construction accounting is not rocket science. It's a lot harder than that and a lot more valuable to people like you. So please stop missing out. If you would like to learn what makes construction accounting different from regular accounting, I invite you to visit www dot fasteasyaccounting dot com forward slash ca and please feel free to call Sherry at two zero six three six one three nine five zero or email her s h a r i e at fasteasyaccounting dot com and schedule your no charge one hour consultation. I'm gonna repeat that number. I may have said it too quickly. It's two zero six three six one three nine five zero sometimes I talk a little too fast and I apologize for that probably contractors and construction area owners have known about the value of outsourced bookkeeping services and contractor coaching services like ours for a very long time and now you know about it too if you're thinking about outsourcing your construction your contractor's bookkeeping services, you're invited to download a guide to find the right contractor bookkeeping service to fit your particular situation. You can find that at www.fasteasyaccounting.com forward slash HS. I do want to caution you that we may or may not be a good fit for your contracting company. I certainly hope we are, but I'm a realist. This guide will help you learn what to look for in outsourced construction accounting. Thank you very much. I hope you understand we really do care about you and all contractors, regardless of whether or not you ever hire our services. Bye for now until our next episode here on the Contractor Success Map Podcast, where we remove contractors' unique paperwork frustrations. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on how to turn your contracting company into a process-dependent cash cow. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Contractor Success Map. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star rating and review here on iTunes. And make sure to head over to www.contractorsuccessmap.com to subscribe to receive the latest articles and special offers. If you'd like to discuss your business strategy, simply click on the button labeled Strategy Session. And the best part, it's all free just for you.